Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party where uh, Julia was so mad at us for doing what we did that she uh, she she left. Uh, <laughs> no, we're kidding. Julia's on vacation, and one of the things we're trying to do in 2022 is let people take vacations. It's pretty upsetting that Julia filed her PTO out of office before I was allowed to. So now I have to fucking cover her shift and <laughs> listen to your fucking bullshit. How <laughs> <laughs> you guys owned me so hard. No, no. Julia is doing a special write-in campaign. So we're going to we have a little corner full of questions for Julia and Val. I heard yeah, Julia has a press conference she's going to hold at the yes, end of this episode. She's going to come in for a later press conference. We're we're going to have her at the end. So folks, don't worry. If you're coming to join the party just for Julia, one, I get it. Two, uh, don't worry. You'll you'll same. get all the Julia you need at the end. I come for this yeah. show just for Julia. TBH, same. I come for me. It's actually me. <laughs> it's, this is my personal outlet, but I I also like Julia. I would like to go on the record and say I'm a fan of Julia. First, it's Eric because the show doesn't exist without what he does, and then and then it's Julia because Julia has all the best jokes. Yeah, best jokes, best player for sure. Most loved character, I would say. Uh, my two, I forgot about these recordings is me with two Brandons. <laughs> uh, Amanda yeah. and I are also extra saucy right now because we recorded our party planning earlier today. So if you listen to party planning on Monday when it comes out and then you listen to this, you're like coming through Amanda and my You're having our like, whole recording. experience of yeah. our Friday, December 3rd, 2021. <laughs> you're, you're just been along with us the whole ride. December 3rd, a day that will live in empathy, empathy, empathy is what I say. Yeah. That's pretty good. So, Brandon, I, I love that you're doing that kind of intention and tone setting where Eric is really empathetic for you and I mm-hmm. and our choices as players. Exactly. Let's uh let let's address the elephant in the room. Uh can I can I can I go? I would like to speak on behalf of all of our listeners and say to Amanda, what the fuck? <laughs> and then subsequently, and then individually, Brandon, what the fuck? <laughs> Amanda, would you like to respond to the first what the fuck? I would. Um, I would like to say that we have been talking and planning behind the scenes uh, here at Join the Party to, to lift lift the veil for a moment. Yes, I wanted to know if we were going to talk about this. Oh, I, yeah. I, I Listen, if, if people don't want it, we'll edit this out. But we've been talking about what we're going to do next, about what Campaign 3 is going to be like and saying, hey, we're telling a lot of story. We're approaching in the, the episodes that we're playing. We're getting near kind of the number of episodes-ish that Campaign 1 took. And it feels like we are kind of rounding a corner, like we're in a final stretch, like it has been, you know, two acts of the three-act movie and we're in the third act now. And it's something that all of us have felt and it's actually really exciting. Like I, I was really sad to let Campaign 1 go and I didn't know what would happen next, but I fucking love the story that we're telling and I'm so excited to tell something else. Like I, I'm just so jazzed on it. And so we had had that conversation a few days before we played this episode, episode 44. And in sitting there and just kind of thinking about what Aggie has been through and her, I don't know what would be next for her, what she'd be feeling in that moment. I went with my gut and I made a character decision and I actually took out a die. Like you heard on, on Mike, that's what happened. And I rolled it and zero to 10. I was not going to unmask and 11 to 20 I was. And the role told me what to do. Oh my God. I want to, not to like refute your idea of events, but I would like to zoom in a little bit more. Minutes before we recorded episode 43, I said, hey, I I wonder if I literally said this. I'm like, think about your capstone. (laughs) Think about what your ultimate end game with with your players. And I was like, oh, maybe they'll start thinking about it. Whatever. Did not know this is what would go and was going to happen. Did not know. Eric, I would like to X-card the word capstone 
Uh, it gives me so much anxiety. Oh, <laughs> from college. Yeah. I'm so I'm sorry. I like I couldn't. I what but did it, I call it? it was, like the, I called it like the thesis project of your character. Even I worse. Think I said that. Duh. But it was it was in the air. Like we're talking about it. Like what happens? Like what are the beats? What are we going to be playing out? What is left for them to do? And I, I think Aggie's had a lot of growth. And so yeah. this, you know, Aggie's character journey so far has been all about establishing her independence from her family. But I feel like the third act of it is like redoing her interdependence with her family. Like she, you know, when we met her, was living a life that she had kind of stumbled into. Like growing up, like she knew what she was doing. She was taking care of her community, taking care of her family, taking care of Lake Town City, and you know, what does it mean for her to be an adult, make her own choices and, you know, embrace superheroing? How can she have an identity that is separate from and not totally dependent on like being a hero and being a savior? And so this just felt like the biggest kind of commitment to integrating those two parts of herself and saying like, this is my, this is my moment. This is my life. This is my identity and my purpose. And, you know, probably some small part of her wants the same level of recognition that her her siblings have and some amount of like uh, hey i i can do interesting things too so that that was my reasoning i'm sorry to spring it on all of you i wish it happened at the end of an episode but instead we had a, it, it was it was early and we had like the moment came and i was just like this, this is it like i i can't i can't not do it well ironically i don't know if we talked about this yet ironically i was already thinking about unmasking before you even did I oh no that. what then, i'm sorry yeah. if i took away your thunder no, 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 because I, I also had the, the I had the two thoughts. I was like, I'm going to do something big. It's either going to be throwing my dad into the mayor ring or unmasking or both maybe. Um, and yeah. I, I was cautious about because I didn't want to like, yeah, step on the press conference for everyone else. So I'm glad you did it. So we all had like a, a nice little unveiling and then, and then screwed Julie over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You were thinking because like I, I didn't was. know that. Tell me more. Oh, I was very worried that me saying we were thinking about your capstones, you you two scrambled to think of something. So no. I'm very happy that I didn't push this over the edge. I was very worried about. No, that. no, 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 Eric. You you cannot tell. You cannot. You can't cage a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> you can't imprison a butterfly. You can't bottle a dream. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Okay, you know, I'm not even going to, going to dispute that. Please continue. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to say. I think Amanda said it all perfectly. Like, I do feel like, yeah, we're rounding the corner on, like, a third act. And Milo sort of needed, yeah, that third act growth part of his character arc. Because I don't, I don't know that I've, I've done a great job at, like, actually having a, a long arc yet. Um, mm. But we started introducing the birth parents thing. And uh, so that felt like, yeah, I was rounding the corner on a on a character arc thing and I wanted to, yeah, push that a little further and and make it so that Milo had felt the motivation to find his birth parents more so than be a superhero, like in the anonymous public eye. The thought was that he wanted to have his face out there and his name out there. And also do the thing that Julia brought up, um, which was brilliant and I really loved, was the like uh, big brothers, little sisters, superhero things, whatever it is. Because that, you know, it's a metaphor for adoption. It hits on those themes, yeah. <laughs> right. Big supers, little supers. Yeah. So, yeah, not not like a, a huge deep thought there, but I thought it was a nice little corner that Milo could take. So I took it. Interesting. I find this very... Not surprising, but I, I guess I'm just very interested in this, especially about how your relationship with Dr. Morrow has gone. It's like 
this entire time, Dr. Morrow has made her problems your problems. And now that her problems are no longer your problems, you can deal with your own shit. Mm-hmm. And I find that deeply interesting that as I've been, like, realizing Dr. Morrow to be more of more of a selfish character, which, like... I don't know. She's she's great and interesting and weird and can she get she's the second smartest person in Lake Town City. Like <laughs> that's very that's quite interesting. But I I've realized this especially as she's like made it her own choice to write herself out of this story. Or as Milo laid out, she's uh she is not doing everything nice to people, which is what I realized. O- I only realized that, Brandon, after you said that about Hank comparing him to Dr. Morrow. And I was like, wow, yeah, Dr. Morrow really has been doing this shit, huh? <laughs> and like she only cares about herself in January and maybe Des if he gives her that good, good science juice she likes. <laughs> but but I think with with good intentions, like with no. Oh, with yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. But no, I, I, she's just like very wrapped up in her own shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think there is there is a way to be a person that like dedicates your life to something and there's there's consequence. Like there are people on the sidelines, you know. We we are not to like zoom out too much, but there are lots of examples of like the public figure or like the creative or the genius or, you know, whatever the leader. And just because they are helping a lot of people on a grand scale or attempting to doesn't mean that there's not fallout in your personal life. Sure. Uh, we could just I'm right here. We could just say it's me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Brandon so so committed to pro tools that uh that his homes in disarray constantly. Yeah, we call Brandon the Steve Jobs of joined the party oh, all no. the time. <laughs> oh no. Oh y'all, uh this is totally unrelated, but I want to share. So have you guys played the new Animal Crossing update yet? Not yet, but tell me about it. Uh I just last night I was playing and there is a like a gaming rig, like station, like a desk and a couple monitors and stuff. And one nice. of the customization options is a is a DAW, is a digital audio workstation that you can make. <gasps> oh it. my God. What? Yeah. So I have I have a I'm gonna For get Brandon's a DAW. only I have like a rack of effects and like a pedal board and all that stuff. So it's, I'm just going <laughs> to make my real life room in Animal Crossing. <laughs> you Incredible. need to take a screenshot of that. Someone made, right when it came out, someone made uh, SUNY Lake Town City, yep. SUNY LTC. Oh, I didn't see and that. And sent it to us. It was very cool. And I didn't realize you could do such set pieces. And I was like, how the fuck did you do this in Animal Crossing? <laughs> please uh, please share your uh, Multitude-inspired Animal Crossing content. Uh, tag us at Multitude Shows. And our new community manager, Rue, will, uh, will put together a, uh, a compilation of Animal Crossing content. Hell yeah. Ooh. And if you're the one that made the Lake Town City Animal Crossing, tag me directly. Because yes. I did not see it. I want to. I'm going to look around. I, I shared it from the we'll Join the Party it. Twitter. We'll I'll share it to you after this. Okay. But... Just just one more point. I'm sorry to go back to what uh, we were talking <laughs> about and not Animal Crossing. Uh, here's a fun thing. Uh, that's why Gutenberg doesn't like Dr. Morrow, right? Is literally this. Yes. Is that she gets she got a ton of shine for while uh, pursuing science totally while not letting other people in and not being not caring for others. Obviously, he's a big old asshole and he's so he's also self-involved in his own way and thinks that he is the greatest person of all time. So like he felt it for a bad reason, but like the the thing that Dr. Morrow was doing from the discovery of Diaphragm forward is true. Like that definitely happened. Mm-hmm. Like all good villains, there's a nugget of, of something real there, and the the response is disproportionate to the, to this light. Yeah, remember yeah. Gutenberg threatened Doctor Morrow by threatening to blow her up right in the beginning, and that's why she hired y'all in the first place was to help protect her and figure that shit out. More like Gutenboom. Is that anything? Nice. Fucking nice. <laughs> Stranded. 
<laughs> Brandon, let's go. So, so incredible. <laughs> um, hey, can I reveal a secret to you two? Yeah. Is it about the game or you just tell us a secret about your life? Uh, you know, it's a, it, yeah, it's a secret about me specifically. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> um, no, it's about the game. That session, so what, what we had done is we had ended, like, we had that big set piece finish two, two episodes before this, the big fight with Gutenberg, right? And then we had, bro, you had to be there, that session. And then at the end of that was Carmen busting in, and then we had, I, we had kind of, I had introduced this idea that there was going to be a press conference outside. And I didn't know necessarily what would happen. I had some ideas of what I wanted to ask you guys questions, but I was just like, yeah, this is the end of the arc. Let's see what happens, man. And you all surprised me. I wrote down absolutely nothing, which is also why I had you was using an NPC generator to come up with names that was happening because I wanted it to be what are questions I, as representing Lake Town City, having the fight beamed into everyone's TVs, what do I need to ask these folks that they would know? So I didn't write anything down. So y'all surprised me in general, and then you surprised me by, <laughs> by doing this ins- these wild, wild choices. So I just want to say that, like, I, well, I didn't know what was going to happen. I think you, I think you did tell us that maybe, like, after the game or something. I remember hearing it and I was editing. So I, but I remember, you know, me who likes to, who gets stressed when you write down two sentences. When you yeah. write down yeah. nothing, I yeah. had a panic attack. Me yeah. as well, your other Brandon. I was also very panicked. And I know, I know being your partner and talking about like when you're preparing for joining the party, you know, you don't share specifics with me, but you'll say things like, you know, I'm so excited for tomorrow you're going to get fucked up. And I'm like, oh, no. But <laughs> sometimes, no, no, that's usually, say that. that's usually not how it goes. I do not say, hey, like, I'm going to fuck you up. No, no, no. Or you're like, you'll go into the studio and talk to Misha for a few minutes or Sally or somebody, then come back yeah. out and be like, oh, fuck it, dude. Um, yeah. But you you often get very nervous when there is not a lot for you to actively prepare. Um, yes. Or not nervous, but just like, it makes you feel, I think, a bit off kilter when you don't have a lot of prep going into a session. But those are my favorite sessions that we do. Um, so I, you know, I'm sorry to give you positive reinforcement on a thing that makes you feel antsy. But, you know, this turned out great. I agree that it turned out great. But like this is the it, it, this is it. Right. Is like either you someone needs to prepare. Someone needs to make the content. And this is not just for podcasting. This is all tabletop sessions right like someone needs to draw that's why i'm so glad we have julia on our team because she does everything she is the one that preps for all of it we don't do anything it's perfect no just show up (laughs) and sometimes the dm drives but sometimes the players drive and in this case i'm like you guys are driving and i can't unfortunately i can't prepare so that that's something that that's all the only reason why it stresses me out luckily all of you in your own way do drive julia drives the most and uh but sometimes amanda drives and i don't know she's going to drive (laughs) (laughs) amanda like kicks me out of the driver's seat and be like no we're doing this (laughs) i'm like oh i didn't know that uh editor julia that was not sarcasm uh just so just so you're aware that was was not me being passive aggressive towards you okay cut that out thanks Bray would like to know, Eric, how it felt to be on the receiving end of an Eric What the Fuck TMTM. And for those who are not in our Discord, we have a, f- a full emoji for Eric What the Fuck as a as a reaction that people have to new episodes of Join the Party. And it's one of my favorite parts of the week is uh, op- waking up on an episode Tuesday and seeing a bunch of Eric WTFs um, in the Discord. <laughs> so that's a little context there. Uh, I want to say to all of the listeners who reached out to us when this episode, particularly when 43 came out, both on the Discord, through socials, 
do that all the time. <laughs> you know, it so nice. Please reach out to us and tell us you're having a good time. Please. It was so much fun watching the cascade of people listening to this episode over time when like we knew for such a long time that this was coming. It was incredible and it was great. Uh, yeah, it was tight as fuck. It scared <laughs> the crap out of me because I had to figure it out. But I think when it's a reveal like this, when there are people who would also be surprised by you saying it, I can embody that, and that's fine, right? Because mm-hmm. like, what I what was really good for me was that I was able to pivot the reporter's questions as you each subsequently revealed stuff, and then when Brandon doubled down and said, "Also, my dad's running for <laughs> mayor," was, so was like, unfortunately, I was like, "Okay, attention's on Amanda." I I thought I was going into this and I was gonna pepper all of you with questions and blah blah blah, right? And we were gonna figure it out. And then Amanda revealed and I got to pivot towards Amanda and then Brandon revealed and then I pivoted towards Brandon. (laughs) And I think that was all really exactly what would have happened. So I got to put my shock into the actual reporters who were there. So that was nice. Real youngest child energy coming from me that day. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why I was surprised and delighted to know that that's something you were thinking about, Brandon. Yes. Yeah. I have nothing to say. It was just, that was great. (laughs) I wanted to say I was genuinely shocked. I had no idea that was coming and it was fucking hilarious. It was great. Yeah. Tivop asks, now that everyone knows Aggie and Miles' identities, how are they dealing with paparazzi and or fans? We'll see some of this coming up in future episodes, but Brandon, any, any ideas, any thoughts? Absolutely. Uh, Milo turns into a gaseous cloud. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Confirmed. Canon. That sounds about right. You just see like uh, what's the the Daily Mail or whatever uh, with just photo bunch of <laughs> photos of of clouds and they're like, is that Milo? Is that one Milo? Is that Milo? It's like no, that's smog. Unfortunately, we had a scientist come in and test. This scientist tested ten smokes to see if any of it is Kilanova. The results will shock you. <laughs> Doctors hate him. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon was, tr- was drinking when I said that. I mean, they do. I can heal. So I, I do put yeah. their entire profession out of business, I guess. That's true. Yeah, that's true. At underscore face value, great username says, how's Carmen holding up? I would like to pause it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Eric, before Eric opened his mouth to say something passionately. Oh, wait. I want to say something before because we didn't get to touch on this at the end of 42. Uh, one of the hardest the three of you have laughed at any of my jokes this entire <laughs> podcast is when I ran in as Carmen and screamed at you. Yeah, <laughs> it was very good. <laughs> I, you killed me. Like, I was dead. I, it was so funny. <laughs> I just, like, I don't know if it's, it was so unexpected because y'all were playing bro, uh, you had to be there so hard. But, like, I knew Carmen was waiting. Because, yo, it's because of the Nat 1s. Because you guys rolled the Nat 1s because you couldn't find your phone. And both of you rolled Nat 1s. So I needed to do something in response. So I think that was why I was so excited to do that. And I must have caught you guys off guard. It was was so proud. It was a little bit of surprise and also the perfect delivery of exasperation. Yes. It was just, it was perfect. It was perfect. What I was going to say is I would love to posit the idea that Carmen has like a Slack bot. Sure. That she can just, which is for anyone that uses the workspace Slack, You there's like little, you know, automations you can set up. And so I think that she has like an emoji that she can send to a, to like the bot. And then it gives her hazard pay for every time um, <laughs> a preventable disaster happens that makes her do overtime. Yeah. So I think that's how she's holding it. That's phenomenal. I'm in, I don't know if Carmen works for y'all anymore. 
I think that with it, speaking of hazard pay, this is an incredibly intense communications job. And I feel like that would have only, it would have only come from Dr. Morrow's random amounts of wealth that she's had from the various patents and whatever the fuck that she did as both private and public servant for so long. So I wonder if she even works for y'all. That was something we touched on a little bit and we're going to keep thinking about is like what happened to the infrastructure surrounding the LT3 when Dr. Morrow isn't involved. Like, yeah, it's, where is where is Dez? Where is January? Yeah. Where is Carmen? And where is Dr. Morrow? It's weird that you want to invite the audience's wrath upon you, Eric, <laughs> by killing Carmen. But, you know, whatever. She's not dead. She has a better job. <laughs> <laughs> she has like a really popular TikTok where she shows how to grind coffee while l- dancing in the back. That's got to exist, right? It's I'm called, sure. It's called... Oh, yeah. Beans and buns, because butts. Is it it's just grinding and grinding? Grinding and grinding. Well, yeah. That's like, it's all like. It's, early... R&B, it's R&B jams while she roasts <laughs> From coffee. the early 2000s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds great. Like, it's genuine. It's Omarion. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, let some boys to men thrown in there. Yeah. <laughs> the question surgeon, Michelle Spurgeon, would like to know, what platform is Aunt Min running on? Hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. And then this one, I think, is a good transition into episode 44. Mm. Um, What challenges do you see for the unmasked supers in their private lives? Aggie's biggest one, I think, was reaction for family. And we got into that um, in episode 44. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I think the same thing for Milo. He was mostly worried about his friends either being taken advantage of or being targets. You know, the the classic stuff that a comic book hero has to face Mm -hmm. with. You know, anything that Spider-Man has dealt with. um, It's the same thing here. Kissing upside down, homework. Yeah. Uh, being being Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire. <laughs> or Tom Holland. Or Tom Holland. Yeah, but I think on the on the benefit side, though, I think the museum is probably thriving with all the increased traffic. Mm. So. Ditto the national parks, I'm sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I will say, only to honor your choices, that is 100% what Brandon said is something that we are, I am considering and is a part of this, like- no no big choice goes unchallenged, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I've also been thinking about, along those lines, like Milo being the anxious, you know, person that he is, like he's going to now be extra anxious because anytime he makes a mistake in a public fight or, you know, saving a cat or whatever, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of something that I was trying to put forth in the thing at the end of 44 was that people have their eyes on you and when there are things you can't control people are going to be extra critical especially like when random citizens are just going to come up (laughs) to you and be like actually uh you're wrong and this pixelated superhero is much better than you so (laughs) can you fucking get on jack hoover's level please can we just talk about how good your and Julia's uh, Terminator interaction was for a hot second? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I've I never died. seen Terminator, so I don't think I can even fully appreciate how good it was, but I'll have to do that in order to do so. I just love that we've been playing for so long that, like, like there's a split second where, like, we're like, is this Eric talking or is this? Or, like, when if someone <laughs> says something ridiculous, we're like, has Eric really never seen Terminator? And then it clicks in and we're like, oh, no, no, we're into it. Let's go. Yeah. It's, it's so wonderful. 
there is what I was trying to do there, and I sometimes I have this problem where I do my voice, but now I'm just like when I'm me, I'm just reg- random citizen who doesn't have a goofy voice necessarily. So like I did that to Julia one because I know Julia has incredible has tons of opinions on these specific genre <laughs> movies because I know she watches them with Jake all the time, it's, and I knew I could push on it, <laughs> but then I'm like I should have done a different, a more like obvious voice, but I think that like hopefully she would have just like realized that I was doing it, and then like some random citizen because at one point she says who are you and i'm like i'm just some guy i'm some guy in the world who's bothering you and i think that was kind of what i was trying to find uh in what we were talking about but brandon you're totally right like our our familiarity with each other and our you know relaxing into the play style and i think also eric you're performing for podcasting and Mm -hmm. your character voices and ability to you know use your tone to telegraph who's talking i just realized that there's almost never been an example in campaign two where we've had to say like who was that or who's talking mm-hmm. um whereas that was definitely far more prevalent in campaign one absolutely mm-hmm. but that was a million years ago yeah seriously i do want to say something very quickly before we move on about 43 about speaking of people's reactions to things amanda i am sorry not sorry for giving you relationship problems immediately after you made a thrilling <laughs> oh, and right. emotional move. There's just something we talked about this afterwards and No, it made it made total sense. And first of all, shout out to Julia for bringing Rose Gold back. So funny, so, so deeply funny. But I wanted what I thought was really interesting about Aggie was that this is like the first time Aggie made a selfish, I'm doing this for me move probably in her life. And I'm like, yeah, you know how the world just immediately punishes you when you do something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to do that so badly. And it was, uh, Tegan has strong emotional fortitude, but sure. having Rose gold there gave me disadvantage and Tegan rolled it too. Yeah. So I just like, I needed to play that out and I'm so sorry I dropped that on you, but no. I thought it was so, I, I thought it was, that was exactly, Exactly what happens is you do something you think is important and right, but of course it hurts somebody else, even if it's the first time you ever do something that's just for you. No, I I, I hated in the moment that that was happening. I felt such intense stakes, but yeah. I mean, that makes for a good play, right? Like afterward, it it, it was great to listen to and I'm glad it happened. Like I, I reflect on it and think that that's like a really earned and important character moment. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have no notes. Don't have to apologize. <laughs> uh, it, it made total sense. <laughs> All right, good. I cut it out of the episode because it wasn't clear what I was referencing. But in the episode while we were playing... There was a moment where I was like, please. I was so like hinging, like, like just searching for the hope in that scene (laughs) between the couple there. And I thought, Eric, I was hoping against hope that you were playing a like cute trick, cute prank, a cute TikTok prank. Right. Right. um, Where like you put multi tool stuff out on the lawn because now. Uh, Tegan is dating Aggie instead of multi-tool so I thought I was like a cute like sure. I'm kicking multi-tool out because now I'm embracing Aggie but no you screwed me <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's very funny you say that because the two that I rolled it was so low it had to be dramatic in the way that you it could have been a prank it could have been a reversal but instead it was real because the stakes felt that high because Tegan was that broken that you revealed your biggest secret in front of their ex-girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> who they had a terrible toxic relationship with <laughs> as established. I also want to say 
I don't think anyone noticed uh, or mentioned anything about uh, our, uh, the crossover between Slam and our regular comic. No, no one, no one mentioned fine. it. I, I noticed it. I thought it was very funny that Arnold Palmer was there, but no one mentioned it. <laughs> I think we also played the scene a few weeks after getting engaged in our real life, which was very funny. But that that didn't that didn't uh, enter my brain at all. No, I was just I was just ruining you in a fictional in, level. In the fiction. Just ruining fiction. all of us, Eric. That's true. I was ruining Brandon in the fiction, but using you as the weapon. Except for Julia. Brandon. Julia has the fortitude of a golem. I don't know. Julia's, no, that's fine. Julia's a perfect being. <laughs> Rule of threes, baby. That's three. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Let's stay on Tegan. I have a question here from Farlet10, who says, did our favorite teal jacketed reporter join the sleuths? Oh, maybe. I'm sure Tegan does uh, does work w- with them. I don't know if Tegan's a part of Sleuth, but Tegan, again, is kind of just like floating floating out there. There are a lot of NPCs in Campaign 2, which is because it's a, a city. So it's just as people come in and out. So we'll see. So wait, did Average Bear dissolve completely? Yes. Average Bear, once Gutenberg. So this is writing. So this is my in response. I wrote a ton uh, going into uh, episode 44. Right, right. Well, my question is, if that's the case, is just me as fan, Brandon, uh, is Cameron out of a job or does Cameron? Oh, yeah. Cameron, Cameron's out of a job. Definitely. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Average Bear shut down because they didn't have any funding because like movable type was seized by the feds, kind of. Um, or at least John Press is out, and then they had to pull out from all the moves that John Press did. And John Press literally, aka Gutenberg, literally just did that to make to fire Tegan and have an excuse to do that. So I think their money got pulled out, and then Average Bear, I said, quote unquote, went into hibernation. But yeah, just it got shut, <laughs> shut down. I think you Very have good. a plot point for uh, next stop season two. Ooh. Mm. Farlett also says, was Fritz outed as powered during the aftermath of the Gutenberg brawl? Interesting. I thought no. I, I don't think, think so, no. right? Yeah, I think it's really important to Fritz to hide his identity. The thing that I guess I wanted to show about Fritz, and shout out to Julia and Bardwatch, but Fritz isn't a bard, <laughs> um, is that his powers could be subtle. So although he descends from a line of divine-touched Greek uh, sportsmen, no one knows necessarily because he doesn't show it. He's just very talented and very lucky and good at these things. So although he was there, I don't think he didn't do anything necessarily during the fight that someone would even look at him and think he was superpowered. In fact, as we've seen through this entire show, is that no one knows he has powers because remember he was at the anti-powers rally with uh, Councilman Burdock mm-hmm. all the way back in the join the channel arc and uh so he's just kind of like he's just kind of there and it's quiet in the way that like you talk you talk to someone loud enough and they're just like stop talking to me i'll just whatever you want i'll just do it (laughs) so um i think he's kind of just like a passive person like this so he's definitely still laying in the cut he is definitely the knight of mirrors also by the way thanks (laughs) you know you know what brandon you nailed it (laughs) exclusive right now Fritz is the Knight of Mirrors I revealed it I don't think it's Fritz I am gonna put my money down my nickel down today for all time I think it is hmm (laughs) real on the fly bet going on I know I think it's either I think it's Tegan I think it's gotta be Tegan it's Tegan interesting I think there's someone we haven't met yet who can say interesting 
Who could say? Who can say? Uh, actually, while, while we're on the topic, uh, let me go into the kitchen and just get a random sampling of whatever shit's in the fridge, because Julia normally does the uh, appetizer prep. So I'm going to just... <laughs> God damn it, Julia. We're there. lost without you. See what we have. Okay. Be right back. Hey, it's Amanda. It might not surprise you to learn that I am a very nervous gift giver. When I give a present, I'm just like, please, please like this and therefore me. And if you hate it, then I think probably you also hate me. And I know it's not true. I know it's not rational, but it is a thing that I feel. And so every time I give a gift that goes over well, it is like the most surprising and lovely feeling that I can ever muster. So I hope that you feel that feeling a lot this month as you give or send presents to people who you love, whether it's digital or physical or homemade or just an experience or a lovely note. I hope you get that feeling of, yes, I got it. I did it. Welcome to the Mineral, and thank you and welcome to all of our patrons, particularly those of you who joined us over the last couple of weeks. Lexi, Richie, Brandon, Kat, Logan, Sarah, Dylan, Louisa, and Melanie, welcome. And listen, we talk a lot about our Patreon and how important it is, how it helps sustain our careers and our ability to make this as our jobs. But I also want to lay out everything that you get when you join the Patreon. Of course, you get our bonus podcast, Party Planning, all about being a better player and DM and also whatever join the party folks want to talk about. Eric and I just put one out yesterday as this episode is coming out, all about the different kinds of gifts that we love to give and receive. I made an origami sphere as we were doing it, and I got to show that off if you're on the video tier of the podcast. But all of our patrons get access to it. And hey, here's a special little treat that we're dropping. We're putting that out every two weeks. It's a new biweekly podcast just for patrons. Party Planning. So good. You also get, of course, the bonus campaign, Join the Team, based on a game that Eric wrote with some friends of ours. You get bloopers, you get playlists, of course, Discord access. We've said so much about the Discord, but honestly, we can't say enough. There is so much waiting for you. Join us for as little as $5 a month today at patreon.com slash join the party pod. Also makes a great gift. If you know somebody who loves joining the party, you can get them an annual membership. Just pay one time up front and they get a year of Patreon access. It's an amazing, amazing value and means the world to us. If you are looking for more to listen to, more shows to add to your podcast app, you got to check out the other shows that are a part of the Multitude Collective. And I think you would really love Exolore. Whether you are a player or a GM or just a person who listens to this podcast, I know you love world building. And if you've ever wondered what life would be like on a planet different from our own or how writers and creators make your favorite fictional worlds, you got to listen to Dr. Moya McTeer, who's an astrophysicist and folklorist exploring fictional worlds worlds by building them with a panel of expert guests, interviewing professional world builders, and reviewing the merits of worlds that have already been built. I promise you will learn something, you will laugh, you will gain an appreciation of how special our planet really is. Subscribe today by searching for ExoLore in your podcast app or going to exolorepod.com today. This episode is sponsored by Brooklinen. Gifts giving, it's hard. It's anxiety uh, inducing, as we said already. And in between all of the, you know, gathering or the celebration or the rest that hopefully you're getting this year, you know, you don't want to add stress to that process of giving a good gift. And Brooklinen is a really, really great place to get high quality and affordable gifts for people that you love or people you like. The best gift is the gift of comfort. And I got to say that the 
Brooklyn in sheets and blankets and socks and scrunchies and sleep masks and t-shirts honestly feel like a hug. Uh, it is so amazing. The robes, the towels, I have Brooklyn end up my whole life because I am very picky about my uh, materials. My skin is very sensitive. I often get like a rash if it's a weird material. And the Brooklyn in stuff has gone over so well in my home. So check out their gift guide to find the perfect present at every price point. Go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code JOINTHEPARTY to get $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code JOINTHEPARTY for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. Once more, brooklinen.com, promo code JOINTHEPARTY. Finally, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. If you're anything like me, the holidays uh, bring a lot up for you. And the best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. You don't just go and get your car serviced when something is wrong. You do it regularly to prevent bigger issues down the road. You don't see a dentist just when your teeth hurt. You go regularly to prevent cavities and other issues. And going to therapy all throughout the year and not just during stressful times can be like the above. It is routine maintenance for you and your mental and emotional wellness to help you build that resilience and to deal with issues when they do come up. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anybody on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? Again, we are sponsored by BetterHelp and Join the Party listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash join the party. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. And now let's get back to the after party. And we're back. I have uh, two rinds of cheese, a single apple, some cucumber, and uh, some uh, some leftover latkes, which are delicious. Mm. Good thing I made extra latkes just in case. I had a thought yesterday as I was watching some YouTube videos that not only do I think Judaism is like the smartest religion, like the one that has it the most correct, but agreed. <laughs> but also they have a holiday where the whole thing is you eat fried food. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Why yeah. are we not all Jewish? It's like it's like <laughs> I ran in as a Jewish supremacist. Super <laughs> great. It's like uh, Adam was scared of the winter solstice or there was a military victory or perhaps people messed up an altar and then we rededicated it and then we celebrated. Regardless, eat fried foods, please. Mm-hmm. I love and this is just my Christmas hot hot take, right? Like I personally, Eric, loves holidays when it's cold outside. Thanksgiving and whatever gift giving shit winter solstice the combination of winter solstice festival and gift giving in the winter it is I love Hanukkah the most because it's just like yeah also eat some fried food Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like there is no gift giving I'm glad that we've added this because I'm a gift giving person but like yeah, get on. I agree with Brandon. Get on my fucking level. Mm-hmm. Eight <laughs> eight days of latkes and donuts and I don't know chicken maybe. Yeah, anything fried. Uh, the original latkes were fried cheese because it came from the Jews in like the Italian, like the Italy, uh, Sicily area. So like originally latkes used to be like fried cheese, just like, like fried um, mozzarella sticks. Fuck, not even fried. <laughs> it, like uh, something closer to. What's the that cheese you can grill? Yeah, um, like Lume, something closer yes. to a dry cheese that gets fried like that. Yeah, fuck, that sounds mm. good. Also want that. Yeah, 
Hanukkah has also fit in really nicely in the modern world because, like, I go home and I light candles and then I'm like, I'm done. I could go do <laughs> I could go do other stuff, which I find deeply funny. Holiday obligation checked. It's like, boom, I lit a candle and then I'm going to go do some other stuff. Like, I love it. <laughs> anyway, that's that's our Jew- Judaism corner. Is it Brandon, the real as I said before, canonically on Twitter, everyone is Jewish in Lake Town City except for the player characters. <laughs> Here is a quick little clarification quarter, also from Farlet10, who asks, I may have misunderstood, but was Hoover fully pixels, or did he just have kind of pixel enhancements at the end of the fight? Oh, great question. Hoover was fully pixelated, but revealed their pixels as it happens and right. as, as it went on. I think Gutenberg, there's something I kind of teased, but this is like my own headcanon. Uh, Gutenberg working with Triplicate, Gutenberg has gotten much better at creating people. And I think that that's something that we're seeing now is that it's much harder to distinguish if a person is made out of pixels or not. Because Gutenberg has made a lot of objects and monsters, as it were. And then, of course, a fake January, uh, but only two fake January ears. We didn't even see the full January. Mm-hmm. But now, because of the them them two working together, uh, Gutenberg is much better at creating people. It wasn't even a hologram. It was just like one of those headbands with bunny ears. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it totally was. This is from at Disney Yogi. Does making all the copies of themselves ever cause problems for triplicate, like questioning their own reality or personhood, getting major MHA vibes, my hero academia, and need to know more about their connection and relationship with Gutenberg, please? I think we'll see that now that we, uh, Gutenberg has added more villains to his kind of like villain corporation. Yeah, (laughs) couple. His LLC, his his villain LLC. (laughs) I think the only thing that's different from uh, Twice from My Hero Academia is that every copy of Triplicate has a name, which I think is different and hopefully keeps them separate. I'm not sure if they come out always in sequence or it's always a different M name, whoever it is. But I think that like the true Triplicate has one name and then all the other ones have different names. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if they always come out in the same order or if it's a different order, but there is an original one. And hopefully that original one holds on to their personhood. Yeah, they seem pretty blasé about the about the whole situation at the at the fight. Less like questioning their own reality and more like, yeah, it's a gala. What do you want? I'm just going to say yes to preserve my uh, my fiction. Mm, That doesn't sound like something I would do. It's probably one of my other siblings. Now, eagle eared listeners will notice that uh, triplicate already seems a little bit unhinged from reality. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Maybe this well, has Brandon already Re- happened. What are you, fucking uh, com- comic book review showing 10, <laughs> ten fucking <laughs> Easter eggs about Triplicate? <laughs> Hilarious. Here is a question from Abzamit. Wholesome question in all the madness. What is the current LT3 group chat name? Great question. I think maybe after this, this might be, maybe Julia will have something to say uh, during her press conference, but I feel like Aggie might have just changed it to like, oops or fuck or something. <laughs> I would have thought after after Emily Slaughter texted you all so much in the gala around the gala, I would have thought it's still like not friends of Emily Slaughter. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's got to be something. Yeah, about Emily Slaughter. Yeah, or like Mara University alumni, something like that. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> we'll see. If Julia is a better idea. This is normally what we we just wait for Julia to come up with something and then and then say yeah. that one. Julia, yeah, pop in here and tell us what the better uh, answer is. I'm looking up rhymes of three. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, devil, devil, toil, and trouble. It's just three blind mice, but it's just three mice emojis. <laughs> this is Julia popping in to say that the first thing that popped into my head was you, me, and LT3. Okay, that's nothing. That's just nothing. This one's from Tiamat's Bitch. Has Dr. Morrow ever made another creature like January? Also, the training zone should be called Tartarus. You're right. It should be called Tartarus. Uh, <laughs> was, was super dangerous fun time zone not on the nose enough for you? Yeah, I don't, you? I don't think so. I think I think its name is perfect. I think we nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> we got it in one. Good question. I don't know. I don't think. I want to go with I don't think so because I don't want to like... Yeah. Touch on the implications of what this means. <laughs> I think also their relationship would not be as special if January was not singular. Sure. I agree with that. This one's from Evity on Insta. Amanda said Aggie unveiled herself partly because the multi-tool Aggie is less public of a person. Does that mean Preserver wouldn't have done it? And if we ever see the other timeline, would a lot now be different? Because it seems like there's been a huge flow from Aggie's impulse decision. I would I would say probably. Because I think in that universe, maybe if if... Preserver decided not to unmask, Milo still would have. And then there'd be a rift between the LT3 and it'd be the LT2 and the LT1. And then, uh, you know, it all unravels from there. Yeah. Yeah, I think Preserver would have wanted to take the safer option and probably also keep Val company in that way and not not be, not have Vulcani be the only um, masked here. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a good question. This is from Lucas Ritchie on Twitter. Was it the first time Aggie's parents sneaked into her house or the first that she knew of? <laughs> Probably the first she knew of, TBH. <laughs> they also say, are the O'Hare parents aware of their kids' powers? If not, how did they hide it when they were kids? Yeah, like the whole hinge of this story is that the parents did know about their kids' powers, but just had absolutely no experience to help them or yes. anything relevant. Like, you know, like when your parents tell you when you're looking for a job that like, just shake hands and show up at their office to show you have initiative. It's kind of like that, but for superpowers. <laughs> yeah, I think Aggie's parents are very much like laissez-faire, I don't know, figure it out. Like yes. that explains a lot of, uh, of Aggie's personality and I I think much of her childhood was spent like comically, you know, uh, comically. Uh, yes, uh, exactly. Like kicking it. over an empty bucket to make sure no one saw Quinn like sticking to the inside of a barn or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can I can imagine lots of uh, lots of times like that. A hundred percent. God, I'd love that. Jules 2.0 said, does one of your parents also frequently say I'm taking this when visiting you? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> we've been dealing a lot. Okay, my here, this is going to be a little bit of a sad story just because it's kind of like about families. But the it, my grandma moved to like kind of her own development in upstate New York. She lived on Long Island for a very long time, and her house is now getting sold. So there's a lot of stuff in that house. And while we've been realizing this, a lot of my cousins who are all older than me, um, by at least five years. Um, but I have like 40 plus, like I have a 45 year old cousins. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like my mom is the youngest by far in her family. So my cousins and are much older. Like they all just have a lot of ownership over that stuff. And it's very funny to me when someone goes into your space when they, or a different space when they think it's theirs mm -hmm. and they have ownership over it. And I very much think that that's how. Aggie's parents feel about her house because it's in 
the bungalows of historic Lake Town City, and especially because they just moved back. It's like, well, you've been holding on to the his, uh, like the O'Hare family house, so your house is our house because it's ours, it's O'Hare's. Right, or like right. Aggie took the cutlery from the house that they grew up in, and so mom's like, well, it's my butter knife, so I'm just taking it. And Aggie's like, not how it works, mom. <laughs> right. Like, there's entirely possible that they lived in a different bungalow as their I think they house. probably lived in a different one, yeah. Yeah, like one across the lake, but now that her parents are back, they their Aggie's house is now the de facto residential home of the O'Hares. Right. Which is so that I just felt like they Aggie's mom has such entitlement over Aggie's house that she does that all the time. But yeah, I've, I've definitely had siblings come over and be like, I like the spoon. Can I take it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a like... I think it's such like a fucking either Northeast or like New York thing to just just feel like you have ownership over your family things. I don't know. My, I don't know. My family would never be like, hey, I love this. We like as a Southern thing, maybe like you're like, oh, I love this so much. And then, and then you're you like, wait for the person. Yeah, to offer I'll it buy to you. you one. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it is not like the because I think it's, the like an, it's, it's the ask versus guest culture, right? Where, like either you ask for the thing that you want or yeah. you like stand there and like wait and look at the person and exactly. like, they offer it to you. <laughs> right. Yeah. They just feel like because they have like the memories with it and they assume they it's theirs. But I think Aggie's mom specifically thinks that anything that her kids have or her is hers. Totally. Yeah. She's like, well, I raised you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm your mother. So it's fine. Yeah. I mean, she's right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. Bray asks, what is Sage Lanceleaf getting up to these days? How do they feel about one of their employees being a locally famous superhero? Uh, Sage Lanceleaf is patting himself on the back for hiring Milo in the first place. <laughs> Sage Lanceleaf to me is someone who doesn't actually do his job, just like goes to galas and fundraises. Probably, yeah. Momofuka. Like, a, like a, um, a, a director about town. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's like, I feel like Sage Lanceleaf has somehow made this a way to raise his own profile. <laughs> hundred percent, yeah. Uh, I love Sage Lansley. That He's little so bubbly music does follow him around wherever he goes, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I still think one of the funniest jokes we've ever made on this podcast is the joke about 9-11 in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm sorry it's all been downhill from there, but that was a real high moment for me. It felt like real Night Vale vibes from that, and I was so proud of writing yeah. that. Evity asks, how is everyone enjoying winter? What are everyone's players and characters' favorite winter things? Eric said my favorite winter thing is uh, mulling cider and wearing sweaters. Mm. Yes, wearing layers is my favorite thing to do in the winter. I think Aggie also has some sick outdoor gear. She loves like the ritual of putting on her snow tires and putting on the snow tires of like most people within her, you know, like 400 foot radius of her house. Uh, I think Milo's favorite thing, you know that kid in middle school that wore that, that beanie and then you see him 20 years later and he's like 32 and he's still wearing the same beanie? Yeah. Yep. I think that's Milo and he has he has his favorite beanie. <laughs> He has Aww. like one winter hat. Yeah. That's very good. Cute. Is the ceremonial not wearing shorts? Oh no, wait. Milo only wears pants. He does he's not yeah. only wears shorts guy. He's never the seen other way knees. around. Never yeah, seen those. Knees. Never want to see his legs. There's yeah. they were ghosts before he was even ghost, you know. <laughs> Aiden says, because you record so far in advance, what's been the hardest spoiler to keep so far? This one was pretty big. I think the time loop was the hardest one for me. Because it like it like broke the space and time conventions of the game in the most <laughs> fabulous way, and I was just so excited to be playing it, and so like I would I would like fall asleep at night thinking about ways to break the time loop. That it was it was hard to imagine that our campaign was ever anything but the time loop. Mm. It might be episode one. 
honestly. Because we spent so much time doing the actual world building, and I really wanted a shot at doing episode one again, especially after consuming large amounts of Dimension 20 and reading a lot of stuff that hopefully I felt like I was being a better DM. So like getting another shot at introducing a campaign was very was was a lot for me. And also uh you know, we recorded it uh before March twenty twenty. <laughs> so I was very excited to put that out there and hopefully people would enjoy it even uh, as the world was changing. Yeah, I think it I think it was this one about the unmasking that was the most difficult for me. But I think it's also important to note that I'm looking through my notes just to see if I was could find anything else. For some reason, I have the phrase subs, duds, and buds written down. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a laundromat and beer, shared beer. I think that's probably place. what it was, actually. Yeah, it's probably yeah. what it was. I love that. Was that from Slam? The, that, that was the, it was a, the laundromat. Maybe. Or no, that was the sushi place. It's Sorry, sushi place I got confused. Serious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this brings us to uh, to a very special guest who's dialing in from, uh, oh, let me check my notes, um, elsewhere. It's Julia <laughs> Shafini. It's Julia's press conference corner. Um, so, so Julia, thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, Julia, let me give you some uh, some nice uh, mic foley. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Is this thing, is this thing on? Julia. Wow. It really hurts my heart to see you hit your microphone without a pop filter <laughs> on it. Um, hello, I'm calling in from a very secret location. Don't mind the crashing waves behind me. It's nothing, seriously. Brandon, stop doing that to your microphone. Uh, I will start. Hey, Julia. Um, uh, Roger McPaper from the Newspaper Times. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like in the moment, I was pretty just flabbergasted and i think that in terms of like what i was thinking in the moment i had already discussed with eric the idea of val telling hitomi about their secret identity so all of a sudden you two who i guess like i had been anticipating Aggie doing it just because of the relationship with Tegan, but i absolutely did not anticipate milo doing it and i was just blown away because all of a sudden Val gets a question about revealing their identity and then the two of you do it after Val vehemently had said no I was just like oh oh my god you two oh my god and I appreciated because in the moment the two of you did check in with me being like Julia is this okay are you mad at us and I was not I was just perfectly in character upset but not personally player upset um, hi, uh, this is Eric Silver from the Eric Silver Daily News. Uh, I have a question on behalf of Raltz. Uh, when do you think Hitomi figured out Val's superhero identity? It had to be like the third Italian food emergency, right? Like it couldn't have been any time earlier than that. I also think Hitomi's smart. She probably figured it out pretty early. Definitely didn't take that long to figure out. Val and Volcania look the same. Hitomi knows better. Uh, Julia, Julia, uh, Amanda McLaughlin from your childhood. Um, this question comes from the Love Fern. Now that Val has officially told Tommy the truth behind their, quote, Italian emergencies, will they tell the rest of Lake Town City? Or are they going to stay, quote, anonymous indefinitely? Parentheses, looking at you, leather jacket, eyes emoji. Okay, so I think this is a good question, given that Aggie and Milo have revealed their identity. I don't think Val would be tempted to reveal their identity as Volcani, not only because they value their privacy, but also at the same time, Val's real name 
is associated with pretty well-known mob figures, and I think that there would be a certain lack of trust amongst the community if Val was to reveal who they are, and people are like, aren't they related to the mobster in New York and also Aunt Min? So I don't think Val is going to be tempted into revealing their personal identity, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Do you think now that they, this is a follow-up question uh, from Brandon, uh, just the regular guy, Brandon. Oh, uh, Do you think now that the Italian emergencies is like not a cover-up thing? Do you think they're like, it's like a cute thing now? And they're like, oh no, an Italian emergency. And like they, they do a bunch of kisses or something. That's very it's pretty cute. cute. It's very That's pretty good. cute. I also like the idea that now Hitomi uses Italian emergencies to get out of situations. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, babe. I'd love to join you around for dinner, but I have an Italian emergency. It's I need a pedicure. Um, absolutely, and that is also adorable. So, yes to all of that. Julia, Julia, it's me, um, Brampton from oh. the Brampton, Florida Gazette. Nice. How did it feel to get that tram stopping Nat 20? Oh, fucking incredible. I love when Val gets to do strong things that are aligned with their powers. It just, it feels like I'm playing my character correctly whenever that happens and the dice are rewarding me. Hey, Julia, it's me, Giuseppe Giuseppe from House of Gucci News. I'm going to ask you a question. Here we go. How has Julia's <laughs> or Val... <laughs> <laughs> this, this is Chris Pratt doing Mario. Julia can't even stop you because she's not here. <laughs> I know she's not here. Has Julia or Val seen House of a Gucci? What do they think? I also want to include a quote from uh, Patricia Gucci of the Gucci line who came forward to denounce the entire project who said that the casting of Al Pacino as Aldo Gucci was rude because she said my grandfather was a very handsome man like all the Gucci's <laughs> and very tall blue eyes and very elegant he's being played by Al Pacino who is not very tall already and the photo shows him as fat short and sideburns really ugly shameful because he doesn't resemble him at all Please respond. <laughs> wow, that's really mean. Jesus Christ. To Al Pacino, the one of the greatest actors of the 20th century. <laughs> Known Italian-American, Al Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious, and they really did Al Pacino dirty there, huh? I haven't seen the movie, and I don't think Val would, and I don't have a good reason why. I think Val has strong opinions on Lady Gaga, and I can't tell if they're like positive or negative. It's kind of like, you know, when you were in a fandom as a child or as a young adult, and now you look back at how cringe you were about that fandom, that's how Val feels about Lady Gaga, where it's just like, you look at that person and you're like, oh no, I'm embarrassed about the way that I used to feel about you. It's like seeing an ex. Yeah, I don't think Val would see it. Not because Al Pacino's in it, because Val fucking loves Al Pacino. He is a credit to all Italian Americans. And uh, finally, uh, Julia, Julia, it's me, Amanda here from from the Gritty uh, Gazette. Um, this is from <laughs> Jules 2.0. If you could curse an NPC to be mildly inconvenienced for the rest of their life, who would it be and how? If you say Milo, I'm quitting the show. It would be Sour fucking Anthony. And whenever he went to a bar and they had his favorite beer on tap, the keg would always kick before they could serve him. That's the worst thing I can imagine for a person. 
Amazing. Uh, and oh, Julia, hi. As your collaborators, any anything else that we said that that is wrong or that you want to you want to <laughs> that is wrong. To, feel free uh, to do that now. A little a little corrections corner. This is Julia's yeah. fact check corner. Oh yeah, it's very funny. If my friends are wrong, I don't want to be right. You guys, I love you. I love you guys so much. Well, Julia, thank you for doing that. Thank you for editing this uh, after your vacation was done. Uh, we we miss you and hope you had a good week. And to close us out, let's, of course, dip on in to Spoily Corner. Couple from Ralts. Uh, one, after Aggie was changed from Preserver to Multitool, Danny painted the Preserver, right? Will this come back into play now that his powers are outed? Who can say? Who can say? Who can say? Who knows? And a follow-up, does Gutenberg know about Aggie changing from Preserver to Multitool? I'd love to know. Who can say? How have we Who not used the Enya song as the theme for this corner? <laughs> because <laughs> we can't license it sail away sail away sail away <laughs> Brax in public on insta asks how much of what's happened would change if multi-tool went back to being preserver good question remember That's a lot right. of this stuff w- still would be the same not to invalidate if they were to switch back but uh definitely some some feelings would be some stuff would be different mm-hmm Love Fern asks, is Hank the Knight of Mirrors? I just tried to think of the wildest possibility for why, quote, a lot of people would need to get really okay with a lot of stuff real quick and, quote, an app that doesn't exist. Uh, brain exploding emoji. Lots of people in the Discord wondered what <laughs> what the hell Hank is talking about in the next episode. And y'all will find out next Tuesday, I right. promise. Yeah. You will. And finally, from the question surgeon, is Gutenberg flooding the market with powered folk to discredit supers? Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Who can say I mean, Michelle? yeah. <laughs> Probably. I don't but. know that. I don't know that as a person in this podcast. I'm just saying as a player and a, and a char- as a character, then like, yeah, he's trying to discredit us for sure. Who can say? Who can say? He's creating the Ubers of su- the Uber of superheroes, Brandon. Right. Yeah, exactly. Destabilizing and cheapening the whole industry and, and really like undervaluing labor of a, of a skilled profession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to Bramble Strike. <laughs> We didn't talk about it in this episode, but it might, oh might have been the, one of the most fun NPCs I've ever played on this show. In listening back to the episode, I said fucking Bramble Strike several times. <laughs> Bramble Strike! <laughs> I just want to be helpful! Oh my god, when he when the guy said, is this what he was put my at his hand on Milo's shoulder and said, Your first time as well? <laughs> I was like <laughs> I was like, that was rude. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Bramptol strike Ooh. is Ooh. My college band. Nice. It's pretty good. I like Bra- that. Bramble Strike and the Spares. Now it's a bowling reference. Oh. oh, there you go. I like that. I like that. Well, once again, this after party is off the rail. <laughs> Even without Julia, we still managed to we do it. We need to put up the bumpers. The put up the bumpers. Use the bumpers next time. Uh, there you the go, Brandon. Yes. <laughs> On the same page. Um, well, everybody, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we uh, love you. We'll see you in the Discord. Uh, we'll see you next Tuesday with a whole new episode. And uh, that's it for us. Bye, guys. Bye. May your rolls trend ever upward. <laughs>